You shall cross the barren desert, but you shall not die of thirst. You shall wander for safety, though you do not shall speak your words to foreign lands and all will understand you shall see the face of God and live be For 
Trust in the Lord. God is with you. Fear is not an option. Pray without ceasing. Don't lose hope, guys. I trust in you. Be not afraid. And I will give you Good morning and welcome to another edition of Catholics at Home. I am Mag and this is our 61st episode of the podcast and we want to thank you for your continuous support and for making time every Saturday to be with us. Now that was a brilliant track by the Catholic Artists from home and you know it's day five of us Malaysians being on full lockdown. I hope you're doing all right. You have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea to keep you company as we journey through another amazing and intriguing topic that we've got lined up for you. Now of course that particular track is so apt for our topic today but it's also a very um appropriate song for a time like this where everything's pretty much uncertain and people are 
people have a lot of questions, not just you, but me as well. So let's not be afraid and like, and I love, love, love that hashtag as well. Now, of course, throughout the show, you are more than welcome to drop in your comments and your questions as we go along. And uh, well, today, uh, wow, I, I've prepared more than ever for this topic. When I, I read about our guests, I was like, whoa, mind blown. And I've got so many questions to ask him as well. So uh, it's going to be a very chilling topic this morning, as in, I mean, seriously, it's going to send down chills down your spine, okay? So I'm super excited to dig deeper into the topic of exorcism. But before we get into that, let's bring on the man himself, the Catholics at Home resident priest and advisor, of course, Father Clarence Davidas. Good morning, Meg. Good morning, Father. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. And yourself? You excited? Myself? Okay, love. I'm super excited, Father. <laughs> I, but I have to give it to you. You you were all prepared. He even tried to scare me the moment I got in this morning. He was like, boo. <laughs> so, Father, did you get my pun? Just now I say it's a chilling topic. Send down, yeah. you know, chill yeah. down your spinal. I know it's bad, love, but I have to work on that. <laughs> I, I'm just looking at, at the, the, the number of people tuning in uh, kind of indicates that people are all excited and people want to know more about this, uh, something that maybe, you know, we don't talk about or we, we don't know much about. Excuse absolutely, me. absolutely. Now, Father, I think looking back into how this topic came about, right, I was just thinking about my own personal experience. You know, I, I once asked a priest about, you know, uh, possession and exorcism and his answer was not quite what I expected. Lah. So today to clear out any misunderstanding, I think about diabolical harassments, we have an expert in the field and you, you are the person who connected us together and you know you you found the right person who is blessed with the gift to exercise demons so i'm super excited what about you father looks look looks like our our audience won't have a time won't have time to ask questions you are going to dominate everything looks like it no 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 of course they are more than welcome to ask their questions as well right. i think being asians father we are all you know ready for questions yeah. like you know yeah that's right yeah 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 let, let's let's bring in our guest. I mean, uh, I'm sure people are waiting uh, to listen to him and to absolutely uh, be able to absolutely. <laughs> All right, so Good let's morning. get right down to the topic. Let's welcome our guest this morning. He is Father Jose Francisco Joseph Sequoia, and uh, he's from Manila. Yeah, he's the chief exorcist of the Archdiocese of Manila. First and foremost, welcome to the show, Father Joseph. How are you today? I'm fine. Uh... Nice to uh, see you, Mag, and Father Clarence. Thanks for inviting I... me, and uh, hi to all the viewers. I am uh, very thankful to be given this chance to speak about this uh, maybe quite controversial topic uh, <laughs> and uh, to spread the gospel news about this. I love that. I love that. Now, when the when I saw the title Chief Exorcist, I was like, whoa, you know, this father is someone to be feared, lah. you know, but he's got like powers. But then, you know, I read the whole story about you. I read how you came into this whole ministry of exorcism as well. Now, father, you knew from, you know, day one when you were very little that you wanted to be a priest, you know, you were in third grade when you said, hey, I want to be a priest. But as you grew up, like all of us, you know, that that dream kind of dissipates, you know, 
know, we get involved in things and you got involved in political activism. You got involved in a lot of things in life as well. So, you know, there were there were many choices. And at one point you wanted to be a lawyer, father. So what happened? You know, what was it that changed your mind and made you accept this call? Well, uh, <clears throat> in the beginning, of course, uh, when I was young, because I have an uncle who is a uh, was a priest, he has passed away. Uh, I uh, even at grade three, I wanted to you know, follow in his footsteps and uh, really uh, be like him. But of course, when I entered high school and I entered college, of course, that's when uh, you know I started to really get to know girls, and uh, there was also a lot <laughs> going on in our country. Uh, there was all this, uh, we may say, uh, political movements, and uh, the, the the economy was not, and the political situation was not that stable. That was the time of Marcos, and I was still an idealistic youth, and I entered into that. And uh, basically, it was something that uh, gave me a lot of passion. I really gave myself to it, and I experienced really. Uh, I was taking philosophy at that time because I was thinking of uh, uh, taking law because my father's a lawyer. Uh, and uh, I decided that I would uh, pursue that after I graduated. But because I was in philosophy, I was, you know, I was trying to read and learn so uh, about so many other philosophical systems, religions, and uh, even occult, uh, we may say, religions. Okay. And I was so interested that I, I tried to get really uh, not only learn it but really get involved in it and that's basically when i experienced uh, you know my first we may say diabolical harassments okay but during that time i did really uh, my vocation to the priesthood i would say was more or less uh, almost uh, gone because mm. i also had a girlfriend then uh, and we had a three-year plan to get married Oh. After I graduated from college and he started working, we were, we talked about a, that within three years we, we had plans to really you know, make it more formal. But during the attacks, when I got attacked because I because being a Catholic and I tried these other religions, there was my faith got contaminated and yeah. all these spirits started to come into the picture and uh, harass me. And that was when I really discovered that. There is a world that uh, the church has been speak speaking about, which I never really took for granted because in college we never we never really talk about these things. We talk about, of course, our faith, but regarding the devil, regarding hell, regarding uh, you know how the devil can attack us. We may know him theoretically and in a sense uh, how he can tempt us, but we don't really understand how he can harass us more than temptation in a very extraordinary manner. And I experienced that. And because of that, uh, I really, I didn't know where to look for, uh, you know, where to search for answers, how to uh, get help from my harassments. These harassments were so real that I was, almost every day I was really, uh, I could sense fear in me. I could feel the sense, I could sense spirits around me. And even when I would close my eyes, I would see images of them. When I would go to sleep, they would strangle me and do this, all these types of things. And it was only uh, when I returned back really and really lived out my faith more in a more intense manner, that was the time that this attack started to diminish. And uh, that also was the uh, time wherein uh, I, my vocation started again to grow because I really encountered not only the devil, but I encountered God in a more real way. 
And he liberated me after eight months. And that was a time that I experienced so much. I said, God is really real. And he really took care of me. I didn't know where to turn to and he was there. And uh, because of that, I said, I wanted to discover who this God is, this loving God. Especially, I started to read the lives of the saints, especially mm. St. Teresa <laughs> And when I uh, read her work, her autobiography of the soul, a story of a soul, her autobiography, it really touched my eyes. I said, this is a God who really loves us and desires really a personal relationship with us. He's filled mm. with affection for us. And I wanted to experience that affection. I wanted to discover who this God is. And uh, there, little by little, my the signs were little by little pointing to the direction that I was being called back to my uh, the vocation to the priesthood. And of course, that was a time where I had quite uh, some challenges because, of course, I had a girlfriend and I had no real plans of you know what. How do I uh, how do I go about this vocation? Mm. Uh, what would I do next? And so that was really a, you may say, quite a challenge for me because during that time, uh, I had all these plans prepared and then suddenly, boom, the Lord was inspiring me that I might be called to the priesthood. Yeah. So I think I, first I initially said, no, I'm not called to the priesthood. Uh, I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to have a family. And uh, I wanted simply to teach uh, theology to, to young people. So I, I inquired in, uh, there's uh, a school run by Jesuits, Gatineo. I inquired and I tried to apply uh, for theology to have a license in theology, a master's in theology. But it was my uncle who was still alive then who said, you know, uh, when you were young, you you had a, I know that you had a vocation. Why did you try it out even for one year in the seminary and see if it's for you? Maybe it's it's for you. So I had I really had a difficult time with that because I said, Lord, there are so many there are so many uh, seemingly walls to uh, that I have to break down before I can even think of me entering the seminary. Yeah. But of course, the Lord little by little uh, tore down those walls, and uh, within one year, I was in the seminary. Uh, and when I even my first months, I already knew. I said, this is not a testing. It's not simply a test. I know that I should, I'm called to this way of life. I'm called to this vocation. There was a certainty when I entered the seminary, there, there was that certainty that this was for me. I'm just going to go a little bit, push uh, fast forward a little bit further. Uh, yeah. yeah, when you when you were ordained a priest, uh, was this a ministry that you, you felt called to? I mean, we, we talk about a vocation within a vocation. You know, we, we use that word. Yeah. Uh, you know, so this ministry uh, of exorcism, was that something that, that you were inclined to because of your, your own past experience? You felt that you were need uh, to kind of uh, get involved or to help other people? Well, first, when I entered the seminary, I was, a, I was really, I didn't want to experience that same thing again. Right? The harassments yeah. from the diabolical world. And therefore, when I entered the seminary, I was a bit curious, but I was really keeping uh, away from the topic uh, because I didn't want, again, uh, the return of this diabolic, this harassment. And uh, so it was really not really the forefront of my mind. Maybe it was at the back of my mind. Actually, I was here in the seminary. We had some paranormal experiences. Uh, and I was very afraid. I was still very mm -hmm. afraid. Uh, 
even with that. And it was not really something that I really thought about until I got ordained when I was a priest already. I remember I was assigned to a large church. Uh, there was a bishop assigned to that, that, that uh, uh, we may say, shrine. And that was where I, uh, was I love books. And there was one time I bought this audio cassette. I was with my brother, Martin. He's, uh, he also loves books. We went to this bookstore, a Catholic bookstore, and I saw an audio cassette of Father Gabriel Amorth. And he's the chief exorcist at that time of Rome. And he was the exorcist of the Pope, Pope John Paul II. And so I, there was a, it was just there in my library. And I didn't even touch it until one time, I think it was, I'm sure it was an inspiration. Why don't I listen to this? What this, you know, what this topic is all about? And when I started to listen to it, I finished the entire tape, in, I think in one day. And it really opened my mind to that there is this reality. And uh, I said, okay, but I didn't really expect to really encounter a case because in my thinking, this case, this possession is, is rare, especially today. Uh, but a week later, my first case arrived. And uh, I said, this is no coincidence because I, I, I went to the bishop. I was so afraid. I said, I already had a degree in psychology. And I said, is this psychological or spiritual? But I didn't want to take the chance that it was spiritual and diabolical. And I didn't know because if it were diabolical, then I, I was not prepared. I might get the man manhandled. And so I went to the bishop. I was knocking on his, in his room. And I could hear him walking around, but he was not answering the door. And usually when I knock on his door, he would immediately answer. But at that time, he was not answering. And I heard, I, I, I felt an inspiration in my heart that said, uh, I, I prepared you for this. This case is for you. And therefore, I had to get, uh, I may say, an exorcism kit uh, from my room, which I had prepared just in case, which I never thought I would ever use. And I, I went down. I, and I, the person was a big guy and he was sitting on the chair and I placed my hands on his head and I started to uh, pray a prayer of, let me say, a minor exorcism. And there was a part there that only a priest can say and can pray. And he, during those parts, and he couldn't see what I was reading, but there was a notification there that only a priest can uh, pray these prayers. When I would go to those parts, that's when he would react. So he said, this is not something psychological because he knows the prayers that only a priest can say and the, and the other prayers that uh, even a lay person can, can, can pray. And, and he started to become a bit violent and I had to do it three times until he suddenly he stood up and he was very thankful. He was freed from, uh, basically he was, he was again himself. And he said, Father, I'm going back to the praying the rosary, etc." So that's my first case. And then I tried to, because of that, I tried to know more about this topic because I said, you know, I don't really, I have only a very basic knowledge. And uh, in in the church, around the church, there are a lot of occult practitioners. We call uh, more or less fortune tellers, right? They, they're outside the church and they apply their trade there. There are around 250 of them. And there are many occult practitioners there. Because here in the Philippines, we still have a lot of syncretism. That means uh, we may... We are Catholic, but there is still a lot of contamination from uh, our old pagan religions. So mm -hmm. we, we still have a lot of uh, good luck charms, no? uh, charms for uh, amulets and uh, 
and talismans. Right? So we have all these uh, beliefs that are still pagan that has not been really purified. And so they were they were surrounding the church. So uh, I said I wanted to know more about this topic. So I tried to search. I went back to the seminary to search for books on this, you know, which were of course minimal. I tried to search for any priests who were trained in this. And, and really, not, I couldn't find anyone. There were no exorcists in the Philippines at that time. And I really, I even met the uh, bishops, talking to them. And they couldn't refer anyone to me. The only one who was really doing this mystery were the priests who were in the charismatic movement. Mm -hmm. And they were doing deliverance, not exorcism. So it was uh, quite different. And therefore, I tried to learn first online, uh, not, not online, through books. And uh, but cases started to come when they learned that uh, there was a priest who was knowledgeable in this in this field. Still, uh, these cases started to come, and I said, I, I, I don't know really about this topic because it was not taught in the seminary. Hmm. So I, I, where do I find help? It's it's uh, what saved me was uh, of course later on uh, I discovered that there they began a course in exorcism in Rome. They started to have courses on this topic precisely because of the growing demand for exorcists. So the Vatican just, had this kind of just coming back to a little bit further to, to yeah, what you yeah. are saying. I just I just want to relate to what you are saying. Uh, uh, you know, for a lot of people, you know, about and I want to go back to the difference between exorcism and deliverance uh, that you mentioned. Yeah, I was going to ask that question. What's the difference? <laughs> but, but before but before we go that a lot of people you know this you have this mindset and i think you know even here in our team we were talking about you know what you see is what you see in the movies what hollywood hollywood makes it out to be uh you know i remember as a as a little child the first movie was uh, the exorcist i think it was linda blair and we were forbidden yeah. from from watching it from from watching it you know as as little children and and more recently of all the other movies just the question is is what you see in the movies is what really happening you know in your experience, or is it just a Hollywood fiction? Well, there are some uh, exaggerations, but uh, most of the manifestations that you see in the movies, uh, the exorcists have seen it. Uh, but what is, but of course, the focus is on the diabolical. It's very yeah. different from the gospel narratives because they want to sensationalize the devil. I think that's one of the things that also affected me. I was afraid precisely because of maybe a lot of movies that I watched regarding this. And secondly, that uh, no priest ever died or got possessed during an exorcism because the Lord protects his own. And you have to rem remember, it's not the exorcist against the devil. It's God okay. in the exorcist. It is Jesus Christ as exorcist in the exorcist who is commanding the and co combating the devil. And you're talking about the creator and a creature. So always the devil loses. The devil always, in my experience, the devil always loses. That's why in, in, in some films on exorcism where they saw, where, where they show that, for example, the devil seems to win, or the exorcist gets possessed, or the exorcist gets killed. That's that's not that's not uh, real, right? Okay. Because the exorcist, in the end, always, God always triumphs, always. <clears throat> that's my experience. Okay. All right. Father, you mentioned that you experienced diabolical harassments even during the day. I know that there are a lot of perceptions where things like this normally happen only at night, right? So maybe you can walk us through what were your experience like? I mean, when you say diabolical harassments, how do you know that, you know, what was happening was by the devil? You know, what was that experience like? 
well, usually, like, for example, I know, especially now, I know if, for example, a dream is simply a dream, yeah. or it's really a diabolical attack. Because if it's a diabolical attack, usually, uh, I'm talking as a psychologist, mm. usually if it's a dream, uh, when you wake up, your consciousness comes back, right? usually yep. uh, you forget. Right? During the day, you forget already the dream. Mm. And the dream is not that lucid or not, not that vivid. And there is, if there's fear, maybe sometimes it's, if you're dealing with a difficult problem and your unconscious has a certain fear, the fear is something that is still manageable. But when it's, it's a diabolical attack, usually your dream is so real, your nightmare is so real, there is, it's so vivid, it's so lucid, okay? and you will, for example, when you see the devil okay, or you see an image of the devil, it's so terrifying. It causes terror. And usually you are not able to move because of the terror and he's able to control your body that you cannot even, in a sense, uh, move your fingers or your toes. Very difficult. And they will only, and you only get out of that when you pray. When you command the spirit in the name of Jesus, get out, usually the image, it stops. And therefore, if it is, and during the day when you wake up, you still remember it. It's so imprinted in your, it's so real that it's imprinted in your emotions. During the day, you can still experience the fear. And I'm not talking about simple fear. It's really a terror. It's way beyond fear. You know that you're in front of something that is totally evil. And you know that and the unconscious cannot come up with that. Because the unconscious can only come up with what you have experienced uh, so, for example, maybe you are fearful of something. It can come up, but the fear will be in, uh, approximate to that fear that you have regarding a certain, maybe phobia. You might have a phobia. But here there is something, uh, the, the fear is, the terror, it, it's not simply fear, it's terror. It's so palpable, it's so real, that even when you're awake, it doesn't leave you. And uh, usually... What is, what, is the, what is the difference, Father? I mean, you also have a, a, a degree, and I think this is the difficulty... Uh, how how would you know what is psychological uh, or what is a diabolical harassment? How do, how do you distinguish the two? Sometimes uh, people who have psychological issues uh, or people under duress, uh, you begin to they they think that it's a, a diabolical harass, harassment and and sometimes it's not. How how do you know the distinction? Well, it can be actually 50-50, right? Because some people think it's only one, either diabolical or psychological, but actually it can be both. Because the devil will look for any opening, whether it's emotional, especially spiritual. It can be mm. psychological opening. Okay, it can be a relation, relational opening. You have a certain vulnerability, maybe a certain uh, deep unforgiveness, hatred. The devil mm. can work on that. Okay? And therefore, to separate them, sometimes, uh, as in my experience, usually there's always a, you cannot really simply just separate them because the devil cannot work but in a vacuum. Have we lost audio? Father, we have kind of lost your... We can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Just now a minute. Yeah. Let's Just try and get you back. In... I, you can hear me now? Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. See, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I always pray before I give talks. Uh, you know, it's it's normal occurrence. Now. Uh, uh, but... Okay, because you have to understand that the devil cannot work in a vacuum. Okay. okay? You have to find something in the person that you can work on. Okay? Mm. 
so if I open a certain area in my life, for example, I have a deep unforgiveness in my heart. That's what he attaches to and he works on that. And therefore, when you talk about is it psychological or is it spiritual, diabolical, usually, in my experience, it's always something in, somewhere in between. Right? That's why we have also psychologists, counselors, psychiatrists to deal with the human dimension and we deal with the spiritual dimension. We work hand in hand with them. Yeah. But there can be some cases where it's totally diabolical or some cases where it's totally psychological. Mm-hmm. For example, a person is, uh, he has all these sicknesses, but after we do a, I do a diagnostic exorcism with my team, immediately all the sicknesses disappear. So we have many experiences of that. Okay, because I, usually what we do is we do an interview to check when it started, what could be the possible openings, because we have a uh, checklist yeah. of openings, and that could have allowed the spirit to come in. And we see how it, it manifests in the person. Because you have to understand that the devil is an expert in hiding behind psychology. He, because he doesn't want to be confronted by an exorcist. He wants to continue to bombard and hurt the person and continue to torture the person and desecrate the humanness of the person or the image of God in the person. And he would never want to be exposed to the possibility that the person will go to an exorcist. And therefore, he will always try to manifest in such a way by which he will manifest so that it will seem that it's psychological. That's why you have to, as a psychologist and as an exorcist, I always do extra tests. Because if you're dealing with a diabolical spirit, first, psychology will not be able to detect him that easily. You will have to pray the Holy Spirit through discernment will guide you to make you see that there's a spiritual dimension. Because the limits of psychology or science, okay, we know it's limits, it's empirical, but the, 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 the diabolical works in the spiritual world. So science cannot reach that, has no capacity to reach that, that dimension. But the Holy Spirit can give us information regarding that dimension. So even when I, I'm interviewing, viewing, I'm praying to the Holy Spirit to guide me. And he gives... And he enlightens me. That's why it's very important because the Holy Spirit can detect the evil spirit. And then I do, uh, after I, 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 I do an interview and I, I'm inspired or I sense that there's a diabolical spirit, then I do what we call diagnostic exorcisms. They, they are in Latin so the person doesn't understand. And I we force the spirit out if it is hiding. Right? So usually, I even cases of uh, religious right, who seem normal, even some are its superiors, I would pray over them using the Roman ritual, and they would suddenly react. Just recently, I had a, a psychiatrist I had to pray over, and a doctor who I had to pray over, and they were really, they couldn't understand why they were, they were their, their whole body was shaking. They couldn't understand, because I said, what's this, uh, what, what's going on? Because it's beyond their worldview. It's beyond their experience. So even them, they could not accept that what was going on, they couldn't understand that there could be an intersection between the spiritual and the human dimension. But there is always an intersection. They always intersect. It's only man who tends, tends to really separate that there is no intersect, that the spiritual and the human cannot in any way intersect or meet. Mm-hmm. So usually a diagnostic exorcism is very, very important because then if the spirit is hiding behind the psychological, then he's forced to manifest himself in the name of Jesus Christ. Then we see the different manifestations of the diabolical when he's drawn out into the open. Wow. So he's actually pr- pretty brilliant, isn't it? I mean, he looks for all the right places. 
Yeah, because he's actually his intelligence is is much much superior than ours because he's yeah. a pure spirit. When, when, he, yeah, when he looks at just... an object, he knows immediately the essence of that object. He doesn't have to. He, he doesn't have the. Uh, remember, a spirit doesn't have senses. He yeah. doesn't have what we call uh, what we, uh, the common sense, the five senses. As we have, to know something, we have to first uh, you know interact with it in a physical manner, and then abstract and uh, you know we learn what the thing is a, a demon because it's a pure spirit by just look focusing on the thing knows immediately what it is its essential properties it knows it in in, in its entirety a demon is because an angel is higher than man he's a he is his pure spirit yep. therefore he knows matter perfectly so if you think wow. you can deceive the devil uh no you cannot okay you only with the power of god can you Okay, confront a diabolical spirit. Man is weaker than a diabolical spirit. Without God, we will always we will, man will always lose. Even the yeah. most powerful man, person against uh, the the weakest of the fallen angels, will lose because you're dealing with a pure spirit, with an yeah. intelligence that is far superior, and who has power over anything that is material using psychic powers. Wow, Father, you said that the devil cannot just simply over uh, or rather take over a person's body there has to be vulnerabilities that he taps into so is there anything that we mere mortal human beings can do to avoid this whole experience you know or is it with it with within not within our means oh it is within our means that's why remember before the coming of christ the world was under you know in the gospel it said very clearly uh that the the, the, the world is under the evil one but with the coming of Jesus Christ, okay, man has been given a divine power now because man by himself cannot win over a fallen angel or a pure spirit. Okay? But with Christ's coming and the Holy Spirit coming to us in baptism, now man has the power of God. Okay? That's, why, that's why you could see uh, immediately the, an exorcist who fight, who expels demons. It is not the person of the exorcist. It is Christ in the exorcist. Because only the divine power can expel the diabolical power. No human power can expel a diabolical power. Because man is lower than the angels. That's why, for example, you're in the state of grace. You've been baptized, you're in the state of grace. God is within you. The devil sees that. And therefore, that's what makes him afraid. Because he now knows this person is protected by God himself. Not simply by another creature, but the creator himself. And, and we know with the coming of Jesus... The devil has already been defeated and his rule over the world has been destroyed. That means man now can, can uh, although we used to be under the power of the evil one, okay, according to the gospel, and that's why he's called the prince of this world, because he, he, he really is in, uh, has a power over, over man and nature. But with the coming of Christ, Jesus destroyed that power. So man now has a power to fight back. And man has now the power to get out of the kingdom of, the, of, of darkness. That's why Jesus said, uh, that's why the gospel, Jesus took us out from the kingdom of darkness to bring us to the kingdom of light. That means now man has the power to not only get out of the clutches of the devil, yes, he can combat and defeat him and enter heaven, which the devil cannot anymore enter precisely because he is already permanent, permanently, eternally cut off from the beatific vision. I'm just, I'm just going to bring in a little example here uh, to help yes, our okay. viewers, uh, you know, uh, and, and I and I and I, I want to allude to what you said. You know, uh, I, I think uh, if you give 
the devil the space, uh, then it 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 kind of enters into your life. You know, I give you an example. Uh, you know, I I go to a parish, or at least you know I used to go to a parish, which is uh, about sixty kilometers from here. And when I drive back after the evening mass uh, at night, you know, in the early days, uh, some of the parishioners would tell me, Father, when you pass this place, don't look at your rear view mirror because I have to drive past a, a cemetery. Okay. You know. Okay, they will, so they will they will tell you, Father, don't look, don't look at the back. Just drive, keep driving until you pass the place. You know, and I always would would tell them. I said, I said, you know, if you are in a state of grace, nothing can happen to you. Uh, uh, you know, nothing can nothing can can harass you. Of course, I know what they were alluding. They didn't want to say what it was, but you know, they were alluding when you're passing the cemetery. And we, when we were kids, the same thing. You know, our parents tell us when you're passing the cemetery, you know, you just run as quickly as possible. You. <laughs> Now you don't go anywhere you near say there. Your you say your prayer. You say your know, prayer. You know your St. Michael's prayer and whatever prayer that comes to your mind. If you are, you know, still lucid enough after all the sweating, but but I think it's an important point that you kind of said. You know, to remain in a state of grace, uh, and that is a, a kind of a protection that nothing can triumph over, isn't it? Uh, you know, if you are, you know, your faith is there. You 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 regular to the sacraments. Uh, to confession, to the Eucharist, uh, there's a higher power that 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 protects you. And sometimes people, I think, we watch too many movies. I think and people, everybody thinks that you know, uh, because going back to what you said, I, I think. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. There is a difference between being possessed and being afflicted. You know, uh, because everybody thinks that they are possessed. Do you want to just touch a little bit about what's the difference? You think, Father, am I possessed? Am I possessed is the question that, or is he or she possessed? You know, the question is. But sometimes it's an affliction or it is a, a kind of an harassment, as you said. You know, it may not be, to, I mean, in my understanding, to be able to be possessed by the, to be taken over by the devil is that you must cooperate with it, right? I mean, to a certain extent. Actually, uh, when you say possession, that's the highest level rate of diabolical bondage. Oppression is still a lower one. Okay? Mm. And if the person does not change his life, then oppression can become possession. Oppression is a diabolical attack that is still, we may say, the attack is still from outside the body. But if the person does not convert, okay, the person does not return to the Lord, okay, the person does not uh, go back to the, in a sense, uh, go back to the, to the kingdom of God, then it can reach a point where the demons start to you know, attach more and more. More powerful demons can attach. More spirits will tend to attach as a person continues to live a lifestyle that is not of God until it reaches a point where the person gets possessed. That means the attack is not anymore outside. The attack is from within. The, the demon has now full access to the body because remember, as I mentioned, the devil has power over anything that is material. That's why he can move things Okay, like we see in haunted houses. Right? They have power. Any spiritual being has power over any being in a, uh, from the lower from a lower nature, okay, or from a lower we may say a lower dimension. So a demon can now take full control of the body of a person, not the soul, because a soul is a spiritual power. Only God has power over the soul of a person. That's why when a person gets possessed, and the, that means the devil has taken full possession of the body of the person, the consciousness of the person is not there. He's asleep. He's in a trance state. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to understand that the devil cannot possess the soul. The only time that the devil has some power over the soul is if we're in the state of sin. OK? 
Okay, that means we're in the state of, for example, mortal sin, and we have not confessed. That means the Holy Spirit has maybe basically is not present. Then, and you continue sinning, then the devil has some power, of, some sense of power over the soul because he can easily more, more and more easily harden the conscience and tempt the person to fall into more uh, graver and graver sins. No? But, the soul, but he has, has no still ownership of the soul. But the body, that's a different uh, uh, dimension altogether. He can have full control of the body because it is a lower faculty. It is not a spiritual faculty in man, it's a lower faculty. So when the devil takes over the body, then that means the person's consciousness is put to sleep and the, the devil can now use the body as its, as its own instrument. So uh, that's something very important. When the person loses consciousness and the demon takes possession of the body and after it leaves, the person wakes up, doesn't remember anything, that means that is possession. While oppression, the person is still awake. He experiences all these diabolical harassments. So he's pretty much conscious. Yeah, he's still conscious. So he knows yeah. he's been afflicted. Uh, mm. Some states experience oppression, like Padre Pio or St. John Maria Vianney. Right? But it was not because of an, an opening in them, but it was, it was because God allowed that for their purification and for their uh, growing sanctity. But uh, usually for normal people, because they have created an opening in their life, especially a spiritual one, then the devil attaches to them. As they become more and more, the attacks becomes more and more uh, powerful until it can reach a state of possession. And that's why uh, we have how, to... How much, how much of this, Father, I mean, how much of this is when, when people dabble with spirits, you know, when, when uh, people... Like magic. Like, like magic, exactly, yeah. You know, in, in our culture, in Asian cultures, we in have... Asian, uh, yeah. We have, we have uh, medicine men, sorcerers, uh, yeah, which, which is very much a part of the cultural experience of many people. So you go to someone for protection. Uh, they give you some, you know, I think uh, little amulets. Uh, you know, are, are these things the openings that the devil needs uh, in, in, in someone's life? Yes. But actually, if, uh, many people maybe focus on, uh, usually when they think of the Ten Commandments, they focus more on the Sixth Commandment, okay? But they forget the First Commandment, which and <laughs> seeking power seeking any benefits or benefits from outside the kingdom of god right yeah by submitting oneself whether intentionally or unintentionally right, to you know this other this this what we say spirits or powers outside the kingdom of god right mm. because you have to understand that there are only two kingdoms there's no third kingdom either you get your spiritual the spiritual power is from god or from the evil one so the church is very strict here that's why majority of our cases, I think around, uh, I'm not so sure anymore, but maybe 90% of our cases here, one of the major openings is turning to the occult. If you're a Catholic and you try to gain spiritual benefits okay, or benefits from the spiritual world that is outside of the kingdom of God, okay, from, your, from uh, pagan religions or other religions, then there's going to be a contamination. We call that syncretism. Pope John Paul II and St. John Paul the second and Pope Benedict talks about the dangers of syncretism. When you try to when you contaminate your faith with it's not enculturation, that's totally different. Syncretism is when you contaminate your faith with beliefs and practices from pagan religions. Like for example, I'm a Catholic, but I continue to wear uh, pagan amulets, or I go to certain temples and I you know worship pagan deities, right? Mm -hmm. Where or where I try to 
gain, uh, for example, powers that are very clear in the Bible that these are powers that are not from God. Like, I try to uh, know the future. I go to fortune tellers. No, so, uh, there's there's a question here. I, I think I would uh, like to answer already. No? Because uh, there's a question regarding how about those who, uh, you know, go to, you know, these mediums, sinners, yes, in order to get rid of spiritual problems. Mm. Now, first, the devil can heal, right? The devil can heal because he has power over the material, okay? Especially he can heal the things that he himself has brought upon the person, like a curse. But there will always be a payback. There will always be some, the demon that will have some power, if you gain some benefit from him, there will always be now a certain power that he has over this person. He doesn't give wow. for free. Yeah. Give so there are free. consequences. There are always consequences. So if a person, for example, goes to a faith healer, like here in the Philippines, we call them albularios, they go to them again and again and again. Usually, for example, within a month, either child or a young boy, who within a month, he went to, I think, around 30 faith healers, he got possessed. Right? Because you have to understand that outside of God, okay, man has no power to ex expel spirits. Mm. Now, what happens when you go to occult practitioners or pagan practitioners who, who say they expel spirits? It's not expulsion because only God can expel a diabolical spirit. What happens mm. is subjugation. Remember, demons hate one another. Okay, they, they follow Satan not because they love him, but because they hate him. Uh, and he's more, but he's more, they hate him, but he's more powerful than them. Therefore, he can, he commands, they put their, they submit to him because, through coercion, because he has the most, he's the most powerful among them. That's the only way by which he keeps them in check. So when, for example, I go to a faith healer, you see the faith healer will say, you know, okay, I can deal with that spirit because I have, a, my power can, you know, can deal with that spirit. But if that yeah. spirit... If the spirit is powerful, he will tell, go to a more powerful witch doctor. Right? Yeah. But what, he, what the power, most powerful, the, for example, you go to a more powerful witch doctor, what happens is that he doesn't expel the spirit. He simply subjugates it to a more powerful spirit. So the spirit so is just kind of, you, just, you just keep it adding just, on to a greater power, yeah. a greater power. And yes. its manifestation now is different. The person may not anymore, for example, experience some uh, maybe pains in the body. He's, he got healed, supposedly. But now he's exp experiencing a lot of maybe he hears now voices to kill, uh, to kill himself or to hurt other people, or he hears uh, he starts to see images of diabolical uh, wow. apparitions. He starts to see diabolical apparitions. So, or he cannot anymore pray. Suddenly he feels desolation in his heart. Suddenly his prayer is dry. He feels so. He feels God is so far away. So yeah. this, in my experience, these are the effects of seeking benefits outside of the outside of god the kingdom of god because only god that's why uh uh jesus himself said satan doesn't expel satan he, he, yeah. what evil spirits do is they simply you know join forces so for example like they top it, yeah they, they just they just who's the most powerful spirit yeah. so even a, a witch fights another witch who has the more powerful spirit will win yeah. Father, you said oh. there are more powerful demons. How many types of demons are there? <laughs> well, that's a pretty scary thought. <laughs> uh, well, you have to be afraid because you have to understand that. Remember, the, lo the, your, the lowest angel is more powerful than Satan because the lowest angel has the power of God. Satan has, of course, he's a pure spirit and he's more powerful than man. But the lowest angel has the power of God himself. And therefore, he will 
if he fights Satan, Satan will lose. Wow. So even that's why even us, like we're sinners. But it, it, because of Jesus Christ in us, we can expel even Satan. Right? Mm. Although Satan doesn't usually will not leave hell, he's stuck there. Usually he sends yeah. his minions, okay? Uh, but he controls them. But you can expel the most powerful diabolical spirit if it, if you are, for example, if Jesus is alive in you because he is the one commanding the spirit to go. Okay? He's the what one who... The devil, the does the devil have a face? I mean, how does he look like? There's so many representations you, in you're art, watching right? Too, you're watching too many movies, Mac. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> Father, I don't, I don't watch any horror movies. I'm such a scary cat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Well, because the devil is, is a pure spirit, he doesn't really have a form. Okay? Okay. Because a spirit really has no form. But uh, usually, uh, but they can appear. And uh, But of course, they, they take some, of course, you cannot see them with your bodily eyes. But they can, actually, they can take any form. Even uh, uh, as we read in the, in, in, the, in the Bible, they can take the form of an angel of light. Okay? We know that the first apparition to St. Ignatius of Loyola, of he of Jesus Christ was a diabolical spirit, right? uh, who was mimicking the the the, uh, the, uh, the image of Jesus Christ. Mm. Oh, it's, it's only the second apparition that Saint Ignatius said, "If you're the Lord, if you're Jesus Christ, where are your wounds? There are no marks of the of your wounds, uh, the wounds of the crucifixion. Okay, there are no marks." And that was the only time that the the diabolical spirit was uh, unmasked. So we have to understand that uh, that's why we have many cults also uh, in the world. Because many of these diabolical spirits, to find followers, they appear as good spirits, as uh, even angels. Right? That's why we have some, sometimes uh, cults that are based on angels. Uh, we, we have many cults based on supposed uh, uh, mystics or visionaries who see supposedly, you know, uh, they, have the, they have direct contact supposedly with with God or our, our Lady, but they are actually false. Okay? Mm -hmm. So we have to be very discerning because the devil can, will, will usually not appear as, as the devil or else a Catholic will run away. He will appear as an angel of light, giving us many benefits. Okay? And uh, just like we, in, we see in the life of Christ, how the devil tempted him, he will tempt you also the same way. So if you're just not careful, listening yes, to you if you're not careful, you're receiving something, you think it's, it's because it's good. Yeah, You think it's God. Yeah. Okay? But you see that because everything that the, the devil was telling the Lord was seemingly good. Yeah. When he was telling the Lord in the desert, but actually, in reality, there would be a, you know, it's diabolical and it's evil in its, uh, in, 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 in its essence. As yeah. you are as you are speaking, our, our comment sections is really blowing up. <laughs> Filling up. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, yes, people I have a that question. Talks, it's normal. Yeah, that's normal. <laughs> uh, but okay, thank let's God do our say, first question. Thank God you say it's normal and not paranormal that we're having so many questions uh, this morning. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so let's let's, let's try and take some questions, Meg. We may not be able to answer everything, uh, yeah. but Father, if you if you could give uh, some brief answers, then we could take a lot more questions this morning. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. To people, uh, to people who are who are very curious right. about this, uh, because for a lot of people, uh, it's just like for many of us, the the only conversation or that we have is with movies, and we think yeah. that is the truth. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we take some some questions, Meg. You want you want to just yeah. a question from from Toby. 
Toby, um, yeah. Toby says that we know that evil exists. Is evil in all things? And if yes, what kind of blessings can one pray? By priests only or also by laity? And what types of prayer? Well, uh, yeah, evil exists. And uh, there's a personal evil who is the devil, of course. But he's not, in, he's not everywhere, of course. He's not uh, mm. like God. He's uh, omnipresent. But he can attach to things. Okay, uh, He can attach to animals. I remember exercising a dog that was possessed. Wow. Uh, yeah, infested, we call it. I was exercising the, the owner and the spirit jumped to the, the, the pet dog. I had to exercise the dog and the spirit jumped back to the owner. Okay, so we see that in the, in the story of the Jerusalem uh, demoniac wherein Jesus sent the spirits to the pigs. The pigs, okay? yeah. And the pigs, of, the pigs, of course, preferred human souls, so they drowned, they committed... In a sense, they committed mass suicide so that they can be let loose and find others' human souls because they don't they hate the uh, souls of animals, but they can also attach to animals. And uh, that's why you have to understand, but many things can be infested. That's why we have the blessings of the church. If you look at the book of blessings, okay, especially the old one, you will see that there are blessings for even medicines, plants, harvest, uh, uh, for, 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 for trees, uh, uh, objects of nature, uh, for e almost everything. So that, in a sense, we're, we're retaking back what really belongs to God. Because before the coming of Christ, everything was under the power of the evil one. Because the first being on this earth, it was not the human, it was, yeah. it was not us, right? It was Satan and his, uh, it was the fallen, the fallen angels were first on this earth. We see that in the book of Revelation. After the defeat in, eight, in heaven by St. Michael, they were thrown down to earth. And then man came into the picture. We were, when we were kicked out of... Uh, because of the original scene where we kicked out of the Garden of Eden. So we, we're, both, we were, we're both together in this world, demons and human beings. And we were under their power because that's why we have all these uh, pagan religions worshipping all these idols and human worship, uh, human sacrifices uh, and all these uh, you know, false religions. But with the coming of Christ, you know, came to show us that there is a God and this and there is a way to God, and now I'm going. Uh, God is telling us He's now going to open heaven, and to reach heaven, He will create a church, okay, that will go against all these other beliefs and practices that have been born out of, you know, the diabolical spirits, and uh, man submitting to them, right, okay, to get some mm. form of benefit. So what we use usually, we use. For example, uh, with regards to objects that could be infested, okay, we use prayers of liberation. Okay? Uh, usually a priest with holy water will command the spirit to leave. For example, if I'm going to exercise an, an, an amulet, for example, from a cult practitioner or a talisman, okay, that, for example, uh, that gives good luck, an amulet that protects from bad luck. Okay, of course, there is no good luck and bad luck. In, there's no such thing because everything is under divine providence. Nothing okay. is, there's no chance, there's no chance happenings in this world. That means if you say that there's some chance happenings in this world, that means God is not all powerful, right? That means there are things outside his, his plan, yeah. but everything under divine providence. Okay? So uh, what we do is, okay, uh, you have to command, the, for example, command the spirit, okay? In the name of Jesus Christ, I command, this, I command you whoever you are in that, in that uh, amulet or talisman. I, first, I break the consecration that was done because usually a consecration is done by an occult practitioner. 
that means he consecrates the thing to a diabolical spirit because the, the power is not in the amulet the power is, is in the spirit attached to the amulet so yeah. or the you know or the talisman so what i do is i break the consecration the next i command the spirit to go now uh if you are a lay person you can use prayers of liberation okay? mm -hmm. uh these are prayers uh i mean there are books now good books now out uh wherein uh, there's they collect the prayers of liberation that uh, lay people can use okay and uh, there's also what we call minor exorcisms which all priests can use like for example if a priest baptizes a child uh there's an exorcism there before the baptism that's a minor exorcism and there's a solemn mm -hmm. exorcism which only bishops and exorcists can use okay it's uh it's in latin although there is already an english translation right i have a copy here no? this is the this came from the united states only exorcists can avail of this it, they, it's you cannot get it unless you are an exorcist and you are endorsed by your bishop mm -hmm. it, it is the english translation but usually I, I i usually use all this latin so the person doesn't understand what i'm saying and uh if the person reacts to certain words that he doesn't understand the reaction is up with the pray with the command or the prayer then i know the person is really possessed because he understands what i'm saying right, in latin mm. right? so uh this is what uh, exorcists use they, they call it it is the roman ritual of exorcism so it's used uh, basically when we deal really with heavy cases, really cases of possession. That means really there's a, the diabolical bondage is really very great. But with lesser, uh, like oppression, where the attack is from outside, or obsession, the attack is on the mind, then uh, priests can use minor exorcisms. The lay people can use uh, prayers of liberation and use with that the sacramentals, like holy water, exercise salt, or exercise... Uh, oil for example uh blessing for example a parent blesses a child mm. okay her her child that's already a sacramental in the eyes of the church okay? uh you can use exercise oil and say may the lord protect you and bless you okay? that's, and that's something yeah that's something very yeah very practical for that I, you know sometimes people say that you know uh i don't know whether meg you've heard this people come and say you know when you walk into a, a hotel room suddenly mm. you, you you feel like you know your your hair. You know you get goosebumps and all that. Mother, we must uh, knock the door first. We are Asians oh, before a, we walk a, into the office. <laughs> <laughs> knock we the door first. The Philippines. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we, Asians, Asian, we, okay. we Asians have all these things about you know. But you know, but I think uh, you know for for ordinary. Yeah, I mean Jonathan, our, our team JP is asking. You know, when you walk into space, can you sense evil? But more importantly, not about you, but uh, maybe for the ordinary people. Like say, if you yeah. go into a hotel and suddenly you feel afraid. You know yeah. what? What can you do? You know what? What yeah. can you do? Because there's, there's no time to call for a priest. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> or oh, uh, while you're sleeping, you feel disturbance. Yeah. 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 So yeah. what? What can? Yeah, because ordinary... spirits can be left behind. Yeah. From the yeah. previous person, if a if a person did some a ritual there, for example, he did yeah. some form of satanic ritual, or he did uh, maybe he played the uh, the game spirit of the glass or the Ouija board, right, which conjures spirits. Then the the room can be haunted, right? Haunted. Yeah. So what can, what can a lay person do? Well, as long as you have a holy water bottle, right? Yeah. Let's say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command whoever you are, evil spirits, to depart from this room, right? And then, Lord, fill now this place with your presence and keep. And I ask thy angels to stand guard to never allow evil spirits to enter this room, because you have to understand that uh, these are sacramentals, weapons of the church that the, the saints have used. Even the mm -hmm. Saint Teresa of Avila would drink holy water. Right? So the saints have used these weapons 
from the even from, from the earliest times. And yes. these are things that we have again to, and these were against evil spirits. That's why we have to learn again how to use these weapons that the church has given us. But usually, if you're a person who's not sensitive, because we call those persons psychic or sensitive, mm. uh, usually it's a person who are sensitive to the spirit, the diabolical spirits, they can sense them. Then it's good always to uh, bring holy water with you. We have also some, we have also some prayers uh, uh, in the church that closes what we call these psychic abilities. That closes because in the Philippines we call it the cold third eye. Okay. Yeah. Wherein a person uh, tries to develop his psychic abilities. Okay. And of course, this is not a doorway to the to the to the divine world. This is a doorway to the the fallen the world of the fallen angels. Mm. Okay. Because this is not a charism. A charism is very different. Okay. We have to understand that opening your chakras or your psychic abilities or your your occult third eye is not a charism. You don't need God. Jesus never told us to do that. You don't need that to become holy. Okay. That will only open yours. That will open yours. That will only open you to the preternatural world of the fallen angels. Okay. Now pagan our ancestors used to do that to get in touch with the divine because they, they didn't know any better. They thought they, they thought that they could get in, in contact with the divine through opening their occult third eye. Yeah. But in reality, okay, man had no access to God at that time until the coming of Christ. Okay? Mm. And in the coming of Christ, we can have now direct contact with God. And this, you know, opening the chakras or whatever, opening the occult third eye, okay, very dangerous for a Catholic because as I mentioned. You are dealing. You're opening a certain uh, vulnerability in you, a psychic vulnerability, to the world of the fallen, to the world of the preternatural world of the fallen angels, because even the mo because even the most sinful person can open his third eye and try and can experience supposedly experience some form of divine experience. Right? Yeah. And that's of course impossible. You cannot experience God if you're in a state of mortal sin or you're not. Your virtues, uh, you're filled with vices or you have a sinful lifestyle. That's why you have to be very careful. Okay, so if you're a person who's a bit psychic, then there are prayers to close your psychic abilities. Or if you're if you you you're a bit sensitive, then you can use the sacramentals of the church. Maybe for I don't people know, like I know I know why all our parents make us carry holy water wherever we go. It's like make sure you got one in your car. Make sure you go one here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Dying, holy water around the person because that's when the demons now, as a person is weakening. He becomes more and more psychic. He starts to see, he will become more sensitive to the spirit world. So he will start yeah. to see a lot of spirits around him. Okay? Some will be angels of light who are demons appearing as angels of light. Some will be diabolical uh, uh, images so that the person loses hope. That's why we use holy water around. It was St. Faustina who said, use holy water around the bed of a dying person. Because that's the last time Satan can tempt the person and can take his soul away from God. That's why uh, even in the Philippines, we have that tradition where in, when somebody is dying, we use holy water around the place so that the person can die peacefully. Because mm -hmm. as I mentioned, as, you, as your body weakens, your psychic ability, you become more and more psychic. So you start to see you know, spirits around you. You're talking about, about psychic ability, but you know, you also you have people who, for example, you know, who are just afraid. Okay, okay Meg. Example. <laughs> oh, I'm just afraid. You know, the example you know, is real. That's 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 a that's a saying. here. You know, the saying here for you know. I, let me try and translate it. For anyone who is who is fearful of the devil and everything that they see in a dark space could be they, they think it's the devil. You know, for yes. example, you know, it, it kind of plays in your mind because you yes. already have this predisposition that 
Okay, I mean, you may be at home alone and suddenly, you know, the door slams, you know, uh, and, and your first thought, first thought, yeah. you would like to think it's a win, but suddenly, you know, at the back of your mind, suddenly, oh, uh, okay, what is this? No, but just in a practical sense, Father, especially like, you know, for people who are afraid, you know, afraid of the dark, uh, uh, children, you know, who are afraid to, to, to be alone in their rooms or to walk up the yeah. stairs at night. You know what would you what would you, advice would you give them? You know you know in terms of you know to have courage to believe that you know Jesus can protect us, uh, you know, and that would be something very helpful for our listeners to say. You know you know, don't be afraid when if you have Jesus. With you. What, what, yeah, be not afraid. <laughs> well, you have to understand that first and foremost, uh, children tend to be quite psychic. Okay, uh, yeah. when the younger a person is, okay, the younger a child is. Uh, the more psychic he still is, right? because his right brain is more. Usually, children can, you know, there are uh, many cases of uh, uh, adults who, when they were young, they could see spirits, right? and that was mm. where the problem started because they befriended the spirits, thinking that they were good spirits. And uh, the difficulty there is that uh, usually, even though they made a friendship or a sort of pact with this spirit usually the demon will can appear as a child right so that's why you have to be very careful because sometimes children have imagined they say that imaginary friends yeah for us they're imaginary but actually they're real but many cases of that mm. because especially if they play always in the garden in nature usually they will have fairy friends or friends who are like small children also but they're the only ones who can see them and later on, you will see that they will be speaking to them. And later on, you will notice some personality changes now in the child. The child is now getting become more and more maybe unruly. Uh, and the important thing to remember there is that uh, this can happen because this, this is an experience by, in which uh, many times we have we experienced in the ministry of exorcism. So uh, usually it's very important that even in the very, when the child is very young, use already sacramentals on the child to protect him. Okay. Uh, that means every night, bless the child. Right? Use, of course, the sacramentals. With, and the, the prayer of a parent is very, very powerful. Just like a curse from a parent is very powerful also. But a prayer for, uh, of a parent over the child because he has spiritual, not only moral authority and physical authority, but also spiritual authority over the child. Therefore, he has a very powerful, well, he, can, he, he can be a very powerful instrument of God's blessing and protection for the child. So if you do that regularly, and then as the child grows up, you, you, you talk to the child about basic uh, about Jesus Christ. Right? Because in my experience, those parents who talk about uh, Jesus Christ, the angels, the, about guardian angels, because that's something that we have lost also, okay? our devotion to the guardian angels. I, in my experience, children who have a very great devotion to the guardian angels, they lose the fear of the, 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 uh, the unknown or uh, dark places or dark spaces. They lose totally that fear. And they, because they immediately call upon their guardian angel, and they know that their guardian angels with them. So at a very young age, it would be good to already introduce the child to, to have a real relationship with the guardian angel and to call upon the guardian angel whenever they feel some form of fear. But it's also important to ask the child, why is the child afraid? Why does, because in my experience, many times, because the child experienced something, something real, okay? He heard the voice or, but sometimes we just say, no, it's just your imagination. Okay? Many parents, because they they have no knowledge, so it's understandable. They think they simply charge imagination, but many times it's not. They experience something paranormal. That's, that's why, and that's why they're afraid. And therefore, you have to ask that. 
why are you afraid? Did you experience anything? And usually you will be surprised. Sometimes they will, they will, they will share something that is, you know, you will really, that it's real. It's something, something really objectively happened. That's why it's very important to bring back again the devotion to the guardian angels, especially to children. And yeah, to bless the sacramentals, like the St. Benedict's Medal, which is a medal, which is uh, its specialty is to uh, combat okay, and protect evils against evil spirits. That's its specialty. So they should also, also wear it regularly. I'm just going to share a little practical thing. You know, when I was... Yep. Very small. I, I was taught this. I was taught this. Before you sleep, you know, uh, you make the sign of the cross around your bed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this was a tradition that was taught to me. And that, you know, and and didn't realize I'd become a priest and blessing people later <laughs> on. But, you know, but that, that gave me a, a, a sense of like, you know, uh, God is watching over me, you know, mm. uh, a little, I don't call it a ritual, but a, a symbolic gesture that gave the assurance uh, that, yeah. So I know I, I, that's I, very important. That's very important. That's why, but it's also good. It, it's very important when you use like, like a holy water always to add a prayer. Like, what is it that you're asking from God? Like, Lord, I please uh, bless uh, this entire room and keep me safe. Don't allow evil spirits to come in. Grant. Yeah. Because me, until now, I, I regularly bless my room. Right? Uh, and that's very very important so that you create a sacred space so even though even though you sin for example in your room you fall for example uh, uh, to, uh for a certain sin evil spirits around the place will not there will be no evil spirits around the place to attach to you and aggravate your sin okay mm. because usually when we sin that attracts spirits okay they will they will come and attach and aggravate the condition of the person but if you create a sacred space, there are no evil spirits that can aggravate the situation. They cannot build on it. So, for example, you have a, even for example, you have a sort of a, not so uh, maybe a hostile a conflict with someone. Okay, maybe you had a verbal not so good exchange, uh, hostile exchange. No evil spirits in the area. If there are no evil spirits in the area, no evil spirits can come in to aggravate the situation. Because many times, in my experience. When there is sin happening, especially very negative emotions and relationships between people, always an evil spirit comes into the picture and aggravates the situation and will make it much, much worse than, than it should be. So that, that's why uh, we have to create always a sacred space in our family, in our homes. And uh, so add a prayer, very important to add a prayer when you use holy water. Uh, so that first, that because holy water is a sacramental, that means it's not ex opera operato, it's operantis, that means faith is needed. So when, when you pray, you are evoking your faith in God, and you are telling God what is it that you need. So it's not magical. Right? It is God who protects you. Right? It is not something that is magical. So do we have to do that like often? Bless our space all the time, go around with holy water, or oh, it may be good for once, once a week, once a, if you if you are a person who's quite sensitive, or for example, uh, like like me, I, I usually I do it regularly because usually when I have cases, uh, the night before before they even call up, the spirits that are attached to them already try to harass me. They come in and they you know, they cause me. Uh, you know, they have some they oppress me basically so mm -hmm. i use that regularly okay? because uh 
remember de- when you deal with uh, possessed people, you're dealing with you're you're expelling a uh, you're, you're going to combat uh, uh, you're going to confront an evil spirit, and you're not dealing with uh, it's it's not a passive entity. He's a he's a very violent, aggressive uh, uh, spirit with uh, entity with intellect and free will. That yeah. means he will not take it sitting down. He will he will try to take his revenge to harass you. But uh, mm. these harassments are, you know, they're just minor. But they make me realize that, oh, I think this, and then tomorrow the case will be diabolical. Okay, it gives me a cue that the case will be diabolical because immediately, and then the, later on the person calls up. And usually the type of, of spirit that attacks me, manif- the way he attacks also shows what type of spirit I'll be dealing with. Wow. Okay. Father, uh, Rose has a question. Some people have the third eye ability. Is this a gift or a curse? Well, first and foremost, uh, it's actually something actually neutral. Right? But most people with a third eye, uh, in my experience, uh, for me, it's not a gift precisely because uh, it can be a doorway, as I mentioned, to yeah. the, the spirit world of the fallen angels. That means they can more easily communicate with you. They can more easily influence you. They can more, e- even an occult practitioner can easily put you into a trance. No? Mm-hmm. You can be more easily cursed. Okay? Uh, you're a person who, who can uh, more easily, what we may say, uh, tend to, if the devil wants to speak to you, it's easier for him to speak to you or manifest, as I mentioned, through an apparition. It's more easily, it's more easy for the devil to implant images, thoughts, and even influence your feelings and manipulate your feelings. So, because it is, as I mentioned, a doorway towards the preternatural world, not the supernatural world. Because we cannot reach the supernatural world of God through techniques for opening the third eye. Okay? No saint ever had an open third eye. So, uh, but in my experience is that those with a occult, with, with, a psychic, with psychic abilities, especially the more powerful ones, usually it, it, it comes from a generation of family. Uh, it's a it's a generational trait that comes from uh, ancestors who were deep mm. into the occult, or a person who continually goes to occult practitioners for maybe healing or fortune telling. Uh, usually, they become more and more psychic. That means the spirits are the ones, little by little, opening that the third uh, psychic ability of the person, so that he becomes more. He can be more inf- easily influenced by the spirits. Later on, they can become visionaries or seemingly mystics. Later on, they can hear voices supposedly from angels or start to see angels or even Our Lady. So they can be given false mystical experiences if they're good Catholics. Their prayer life will be, will be, uh, you know, will be affected. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, Meg, you know, this, this world of, of spirits, you know, even among our, in our own small group, when we, when we said this, this weekend, we're going to talk to Father <laughs> Kia, it kind of just blew up because everybody was so curious about, you know, this this whole world of spirits and certainly i mean uh, in an hour like this we really can't answer all the questions that are out there about spirits and, and you know perhaps That's right. we need half a day with with father sakia to to be able to address <laughs> all these questions uh, you know but but something father i mean i mean this is something that there's fear because we're always afraid of the unknown and i guess the questions are here because we do not know and yes, there's really. always this fear uh, in any situation, not just in the world of spirits, but even in ordinary life, you know, what is unknown is very unnerving for, for many of us. But uh, from your perspective, Father, uh, just to, uh, to help people this morning, kind of like bringing this to a conclusion, what, what can people do uh, in order to kind of protect themselves, you know, and, and not 
what advice would you give to not dabble into this world of spirits uh, so that it's something that we can take back uh, after this conversation today uh, and if you think that if you think that there is an affliction or uh, uh, or a possession of some sort uh, what should they do where should they go to well uh, i've been giving talks in uh, as i mentioned uh, to you a while ago father clarence to, to Malay, in Malaysia and in Indonesia in Singapore uh, training their exorcists uh, because I've been in the ministry almost 20 years already and uh, if, if the first thing if you're, you think you're experiencing some form of diabolical uh, harassment is you have to first go to your parish priest because uh, your parish priest has a spiritual authority over you and uh, grace flows down from from Grace will flow through him, right? mm -hmm. and if he sees that your case is quite uh, complex and it's it's grave or serious, then he may refer you to uh, the diocesan. If there's a diocesan exorcist, then he would refer you to a diocesan exorcist. Now, a good thing would also be trying to read up on on the topic uh, because there are now some good books on the topic. Uh, just make sure that they are they are uh exorcists who have really been trained uh, especially mm -hmm. by the vatican right uh because right now as we mentioned the the vatican now has you know every year they uh, until the, this, this pandemic every year they would train uh, uh have, have a training course for exorcists especially now with this pandemic the devil is really acting really uh he's really very active because many people are have let me say there are many openings being created relationally, spiritually, morally, psychologically, emotionally. And he has he, he has so much, he has a whole playground to play with. Many people are becoming vulnerable and he's going, and he's aggravating. He's causing all, you know, and he, he's aggravating this, uh, you know, this entire uh, situation. So we have to be protected, especially now. Now, uh, so I would re recommend uh, if ever, there's no diocese and exorcist, then try to seek for a diocese and exorcist, maybe in a nearby diocese. Uh, that's why it would be important to communicate uh, with your parish priest so he can maybe contact the bishop, and the bishop can be the one to see if there are any nearby exorcists within the vicinity to help the person. And uh, But I think the most important thing is really prevention, because prevention, uh, it's it's much better than the cure. Once you're in it, once you're in the bondage of the, to the devil, it, it's quite difficult to get out because the devil will do all his, especially if you've gotten a lot of benefits from him, he will not simply let you go. Yeah. And therefore, uh, I think uh, I would like to say that the most important thing at the moment is to always be in the state of grace. That's the most important thing. In the sacraments, when you're in the state of grace, the devil is afraid of you because he sees the power of Christ in you. He's the power of God's love in you. And therefore, when he sees God in you, he will not try to, you know, as much as possible, he will try to keep away from you. And secondly, use the sacramentals because remember, as I mentioned a while ago, the devil not only attacks our soul, tries to attack our soul, he will also try to attack our body. So confession, very important, protects the soul, liberates the soul, but the sacramentals and prayers of liberation liberates the attachments of the, of the devil on the body. So you learn to uh, learn about our sacramentals and prayers of liberation that you can use uh, for yourself and also for your family members. And if you see, if you, if you, in your home you have any kind of uh, 
good luck charms or uh, occult objects or uh, uh, talismans, amulets. You have to get rid of all of that because you're because you're trying to say to God, Lord, I believe in you, but I don't trust in you. That means you're not enough. That's why I have to go to these other powers and use these other powers or objects. So you have to we have to purify our faith. If we're Catholics, then we have to say God is enough for everything, mm-hmm. everything in our life. We don't need these other powers. We don't need these other uh, the spirits or these other objects. We only use what the Lord has given us mm-hmm. because God himself is enough. His love is enough for us. It's more than enough. And, just, just a quick, quick question, uh, yeah. Father. Just regard, you said get rid of all these amulets, okay? I think the, I, I, just to help people, how do they do it? If they have it at this time in the house, how do they get rid of it? What, do, what can they do? Well, usually what we do first is that uh, it cannot be destroyed. Usually we, we have it burned, okay? okay. But we use, we, yeah. we, uh, with holy water, we command, we break the consecration. For example, uh, it would be good if there's a priest there. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break the consecration done upon you. Okay, I do it three times. And then I use holy water. And, and then after that, I bring the consecration that in the name of Jesus, I command you every evil spirit that has been attached to this amulet or talisman, I command you now to get away from this object and go to the foot of the cross of the Lord. Go now to the Lord. Let him deal with you as he wills. And then, okay, uh, if you cannot burn it, uh, usually what we do is we, we, we put it in a... Like some form of container with exercise salt, or if not, uh, we try to at least deface it, okay, so it loses its form, uh, and then we throw it into running water. Okay. Uh, that would, that is the recommendation also of Father Gabriel Amorth, okay, because you have to get rid of it. We have to, or you don't just throw it away, or else somebody might pick it up, and the spirit that is attached to that will now attach to the spirit uh, to the to the person who picked up that object. Mm. Yeah, so that's something very practical for people can you know who are listening, who are you know who may have these things uh, that they can do uh, to, to to get rid of these things and and return back to the Lord. I think that's the most important thing. Come back Absolutely. to the Lord. I think because many people believe that there's a, some form of third kingdom where they can get benefits. So yeah. I always tell people there are only two kingdoms: the kingdom of God and the kingdom of, of the evil one. Okay, all that is good, true, and beautiful is found in the kingdom of God. Outside of that. Outside of God's kingdom, there is nothing true, good, and beautiful. Because all that is true, good, and beautiful comes from Him. There is no third or neutral kingdom. So be very careful when you're getting your benefits. Because don't just try just because it works or you get some benefit, material benefit, that it's from God. You have to always be discerning. Right? Because there is no middle kingdom. Because some people think that, you know, I can get you know, some things and this is, you know, maybe it's simply a, a spirit, a good, uh, a good spirit that is not an angel. Okay? Uh, but actually, it's a diabolical spirit. That's why we have to always uh, rely on God alone. Know no, the teachings of the church and uh, and whatever it is that the Lord has, Jesus Christ has given us to help us to enter into heaven and use that. If there is but one I book, think... Father, yes, very quickly, if there is one book that people, no, I mean, I'm sure we can't cover everything today. If there's one book that people could pick up after this and they want to know yeah. more, would you recommend a book, Father, uh, for them to... Any one, just a, one book that you think would give them an, a, an insight, a deeper insight to our conversation this morning? Well, uh, the book of Father Gabriel Amorth. Uh, the Gabriel Amorth, okay. Father Gabriel Amorth, an exorcist, tells his story. Okay. Uh, and also, I have also, I have also written four, four or five books. Okay. Uh, if they want, they can, uh, I don't know if they, if they sell it there uh, in your country. But uh, here in St. Paul's, they sell my book here. 
Okay. Books. Are there e-copies? Are there e-copies? E Pardon, Father? Are there electronic copies of the book? Now that we uh, can't I'm, move... The... I'm not so sure. It's St. Paul who is in charge. Maybe, maybe. All right. okay. maybe you're coming and visit us here, Father. We can, I can give you some of those books. <laughs> that would be the plan when... once the whole pandemic Lockdown. is done. Yeah. 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 So, That's yes. right. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, so, so there's some good tips, uh, some good uh, suggestions uh, to people this morning. You know what? Yeah, and if you have been dabbling in this, what you can do, I think Father... Hoses has given you some suggestions. Uh, how can you get rid of it? Uh, and I think one thing that we just want to remember is, you know, remain in the state of grace uh, and rely on the power of God. Uh, you know, you know, we have this tradition here in, in many homes. They have this picture of Michael the Archangel. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that has been a very powerful image for many people uh, to remind them that, you know, God has gained victory over the evil one. And as long as we are in the state of grace, like Father said, you know, even the lowest angel is still higher than the highest devil. So if you're in the state of grace, Father, you can, anyone can command the devil to go. Yeah. Wow. They're harassing you, yes, because it is Christ in you commanding the spirit to go. Yeah. And, and before I end, Father, I, I, we also have a Facebook page. Okay. Because we have talks there, they can look at it also regarding the third eye, about curses, about infested homes. That uh, our Facebook page is Archdiocese, Archdiocese of Manila, Office of Exorcism. It's a Facebook page. They can look into that, and there are different topics there. So uh, it's Archdiocese of Manila, Office of Exorcism, uh, Facebook page. So it's All Amo. Right. Amo for ex sure. Excellent. So, <laughs> Meg, I hope you for not... everyone who's got questions. <laughs> Meg, I hope you're not, 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 so, not so afraid anymore. Yeah, you should uh, not be. Because fear is of the devil, love is of God, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, my, my, my theory is very simple. For as long as I don't watch any horror movies, my faith <laughs> is always intact. So I stay away <laughs> for that. But I have one last question, though, Father. Yes. They, um, I think there's a lot of literature about having three of the most powerful sacramentals in your home, which is uh, the crucifix, the holy water, and the blessed sauce. Does that you know, help you in any way? Or how does that help you? Well, basically, uh, we use that special exorcisms okay. uh, because you have to understand that the crucifix, whenever whenever I meet a demoniac and the person is possessed, even though he stares at me, okay, trying to uh, really threaten me through the eyes, right? all I have to do is, is put a crucifix in front of my face. Immediately cannot stand the sight of the crucifix precisely because that is a sign of his defeat. Right? So uh, having a crucifix, a sacred object in your home, right, manifests. To the, to the spirit world that this place belongs, this home belongs to God. And that mm. his authority is, and that he has authority over this home. And that no other spirits that can come into this home, that is not of him. That, that is not divine or holy. Right? Mm. That means all fallen angels, when they see that, you know, this we have no authority there because God is the one in charge and taking care of this home. And of course, the holy water, and as I mentioned, and, uh, yeah. and the exercise salt, the salt, uh, usually we use it uh, for especially heavily infested places. Like, for example, usually demons usually like to attach to toilets, usually toilet areas, right? And uh, usually that's where we, or maybe, cor <laughs> or, or rooms in the cor corner rooms. In the corners, in dark corners. 
Yes, or if you have a lot of old trees, usually they love they love to yeah. stay there. That's why many of our ancestors would worship them in trees. So that's where you can put the exercise salt. But as I mentioned, always before you do it, ask to Mama Mary to protect you, and then go with the exercise salt and use a prayer. Lord, ex expel from this tree all diabolical spirits, and I, I claim this tree for you in, in to the blood of Jesus Christ. So this tree now belongs to the. So very important because we have many we have cases where in bed to really exercise. I have many cases of exercising big trees that were uh, that spirits attached to. We usually with, mm. in the Philippines we call them elementals or fairies in the United oh. States. When 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 wow. you when you talk about when you talk about toilets, I I reminded in my school days that's that's the place everybody scares you yeah, about yeah, yeah. going to. Yeah, <laughs> your psychic, you will see them. Your psychic, you will see them there. Right? So they yeah. Uh, big types of uh, half humanoids, uh, humanoids or half human, you know, beings. You no, know? so usually those who are psychic can sense when they go there. You know, their the skin on their the back of their neck starts to stand up. You know? So mm -hmm. usually, if you're psychic, they, the psychics usually know where the spirits are. Yeah. Anyway, wow. That's, that's, All right. Okay. Anyway, man, yes. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> a very broad topic. Eh? So yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> So, Father, yeah. other than your Facebook page, um, you know, uh, are there any other places where our viewers can go, like for prayers of liberation or um, any more information? I mean, we want to direct them to the right places so that, you know, you don't get the wrong information because we're dealing with a very broad topic, yeah. as you mentioned, yes. you know. And, and actually, it's, uh, I mean, the devil is, even Pope Francis has been speaking about the devil again and again because he's, he's more active now than ever before. That's why uh, this is the only time again, like in the since the early church, that we have so many exorcists. Like in the Philippines, mm. we have the Philippine Association of Catholic Exorcists. We have around more than two hundred members from more than wow. fifty-two dioceses already. Yes, we started that already because nice. before Manila was the only had the only exorcist. Uh, mm. We had, had the only office of exorcism, but now we, we have uh, bishops have been appointing exorcists because in the Philippines we we have a lot also of syncretic practices, syncretism. So uh, you see a Catholic going going to mass and asking the Lord for uh, a blessing. Then he will go to the faith. He will go to the fortune teller and ask, "Will the Lord give me what I have asked for?" You know, that's you know yeah. that's syncretism. Right? So they 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 contaminate the, the purity of our faith with pagan practices. So uh, so it would be good to. I think there are some uh, in the face. I think YouTube some talks by good exorcists like. Uh, uh, Father uh, Lambert, uh, Father Ch uh, Chad Rippinger, okay, uh, just check their credentials because these are trained in the Vatican. These are exorcists who are trained also in the Vatican. All right, all right. So I know you know Father Joseph is you know trained. He is the chief exorcist. But Father Clarence, I'm curious though. What about Malaysia? Who do we know? I mean, you know, who do we who do we call? Maybe Father Clarence can be the first. <laughs> No, I, I I think some of our priests have uh, been going for the training that you came for the two years ago. Yes. Uh, you know, and we have some and get in touch with your parish priests. Uh, I don't know the exact list uh, because it has to be appointed by the bishop. Uh, if I'm not right, uh, wrong for yes. the for the diocese, it has to be appointed by the bishop, and no one just can just claim that I'm an exorcist uh, in his in his <laughs> own right. Be very careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, especially those who claim that they can do this, uh, just be cautious about it. Uh, just to get in touch with your diocesan office or your your parish priest uh, to know who has been appointed by by the bishop uh, as uh, uh, the, the exorcist 
uh, for the diocese. So I, I, I'm aware that some of them have gone for training when Father came uh, two years ago, uh, I believe, uh, here in, in, in Malaysia or Singapore, Father, you were here. Yes, I remember that name. Yes. Uh, some of our priests going. <laughs> so yeah, let's check with, check with, check with your priests. Uh, no, okay. You know, yeah. Father, Father Joseph, do you have any regrets? I mean, going back to the introduction of this whole show, you said you had plans. You know, you had a girlfriend, you were going to get married, you wanted to be a lawyer. So now you've picked a completely different path. You are now the chief exorcist in Manila. You know, do you have any regrets looking back in time? Do you just wish you had children and live a happy uh, family life? Well, if the other vocation is... Uh... Of course, married life, if you're called to it, that's the best for you. Yeah. But if you're called to the priesthood, then, of course, it's still a sacrifice. Yes. Uh, but you're choosing not the best for if, you have, if you're called over the better. Yes. Uh, but if you're called to the married life, that's the best for you. Me, uh, being called to a priest, uh, as a, being called to the vocation, the priesthood, that's the best for me. And therefore, when I chose this, of course, it was not easy in the beginning, but in any... I mean, uh, when we follow the Lord, the first thing the Lord said was, you have first to you know, uh, leave everything behind, right? Uh, yeah. So that you can, I can give you the, my gifts, right? what, I really have, what I really have planned for you. And uh, you know, I, since I got ordained, I have no, no regrets whatsoever. Maybe uh, sometimes when, uh, before maybe when I was a seminarian, <laughs> and me and my brothers would go out because they had my four brothers, eh? we're, we're five brothers, they would all go out, we would go out, out they would bring all their girlfriends, and I was the only one left alone. No, so, <laughs> Mike, Mike, let me let me just tell you that the, the grass is not always greener on the other side. So if you're wondering, yeah, yeah. You know, if, yes. if you're wondering, oh yeah, I should have become a nun and not married thief now. No, now that's too late. Yeah, when you when I hear the stories of a lot of married couples coming to me for help, something yeah. I'm not married, no. <laughs> so, so no, but I have no, I've no regrets, especially uh, in the ministry. I mean, I'm I'm signed in the seminary. Uh, I've been assigned to the parishes in the seminary since 2004. I've been here in this uh, San Carlos Seminary as a professor and formator. But uh, I, I can tell, I can say that I'm only with the ministry. I'm grateful to the Lord. Of course, in the beginning, it, I was not really, I was really not that happy because, of course, it is something that is. I mean, I'm trained for many other things, but except for this, no, this is something that is totally beyond anything I've, you know, I've ever experienced, and really, it was a, a leap of faith. But uh, I'm very grateful now because uh, the harder, the, as I always say, you know, seminarians, you know, saint, saintliness is born only in the greatest of battles. So the more intense the battle, the Lord purified me more and the more I was able to grow in the virtues, right? especially seeing the reality of really how God is really in love with us. Because, of course, you see the devil in one side when the, when the cases come to you. And then you see the power of God's love really destroying those diabolical bandages that these people have set up, whether intentionally or, in, or unintentionally. And you yeah. see that, you know, you really see those miracles. So this is something that, or you, I mean, uh, many priests don't experience. Yeah. To see really the power of God in, in really expelling the devil and suddenly the person who experiences God's love and is, you know, totally liberated, is converted and becomes really 180 degree turnaround. It's not like the, the other conversions where you see maybe one week the person is converted and he, he turns back to a life of sin. Here, yeah. because of their experience, the conversion is total. Yeah. And you see that again and again. So you see really, and very tangible, you see in a very tangible way, the power of God's love, how much he loves us and how much he still 
journeying with us. He's not a God who's far away. He's in, in the ministry. You see him right there with you, commanding through you, working through the person in the person's soul, taking care of the entire situation. That's why an exorcist has never lost. Okay, uh, because you had a question to me. I think you sent me a question regarding if an exorcist is there a failure in exorcism. It's just yeah. like an exorcism never fails. It's always it always expels spirits. Just like in confession, the failure, if ever, would be the fruit. If the person, for example, confesses to me and is not sorry, then yeah. my absolution will not really will have no fruit. Just yeah. like with an exorcism, all exorcisms, because it's Christ who is commanding, always has an effect. But the effect depends a big. Uh, uh, later on, if the person is already conscious, a big chunk of that depends upon the disposition of the person. Because some people want to simply get rid of the possession but don't want to convert or change their lifestyle from a yeah. sinful one to a holy one. So that's the challenge. That's why we journey with them until they're safe, able to give themselves totally and the liberation is permanent. But no, no exorcist has ever lost in an exorcism. I love that. Yeah. I sincere. think it's only in movies. <laughs> yes, it's only movies. When the person is prepared and is sincere, God always liberates. In my 20 years as an exorcist, I've never seen a person who was sincere in his conversion yeah. Not be liberated. They were all liberated. That's God, triumphs a, in all, God triumphs in all situations. Absolutely. That's a brilliant end to it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because uh, remember, uh, Gaia is already actually born, right? We know that. We're yeah. just mapping up. We're just doing map, map, mapping up operations. Mm. We're just, uh, you know, we're just, uh, in a sense, we know that in the end, Satan and all his demons will be thrown into hell. We're, just, we're, we're here simply using the power of Christ to map up to complete that the total defeat of Satan. Wow. Father Joseph, you know, when you asked me, when I asked you, I invited you, you said, you asked me how long. I said one hour. <laughs> you have given us one hour, 45 minutes. You know, that uh, was an understatement, are, one hour. <laughs> we, we, are, yeah. we are truly grateful for, for your, the generosity of your time uh, of sharing with us. Uh, I know you're a very busy person in the seminary. Uh, and, you know, uh, Truly grateful for this opportunity to have this conversation. I've learned a lot, you know, even after 24 years as a priest. Uh, I, I've because some, as you like you said, it's not something that we are taught in the seminary, isn't yes. it? I mean, we are not. Uh, we are prepared for all other things, but this is something. But uh, thank you very much for for accepting this invitation uh, to 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 have this conversation with with Meg and myself, and you know, loads of people uh, <laughs> out there. And, uh, and the resources that are out there that I think people can go to, the Archdiocese Manila Office of Exorcism. Uh, there are videos, mm -hmm. there are talks. I'm sure you have given uh, many talks that people can listen to. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, just one thing that I would just like to say, you know, kind of like to keep this uh, whole conversation. I, I know there's a lot of, lot of questions about the devil and, and I'm sure that, you know, it only takes a devil to know a devil in the sense, in his truest or fullest <laughs> sense. You know, you can, you can never know everything uh, about him. But uh, I think what is important here, uh, I think it is for us is to, like Father said, remain in the state of grace, stay on the pathway of, that Jesus has shown us, and nothing can triumph over that. You know, and I think that is the best protection, that is the best uh, way of living our lives. As baptized people, I think that's that's the most. That's the thing that I, I would like to share at the end of this. You know, to say you know, let's not even explore that that second kingdom. You know, let's because sometimes when we go there, there's there's, there's no there's no there's, there isn't a point where you can come back easily, like your father father has said. 
let's trust the Lord in all of this. Absolutely. Yes. Actually, Father, I would, I would like to add that uh, it's just like sickness. Uh, if the Lord still allows sickness, that means there is a value there. By, by being, we can use sickness and grow in holiness. Just like if the devil is still present, even though he's been defeated, but the Lord has allowed demons to continue to exist side by side with us. I mean, there is, there is, they still have a role for our sanctification. I mean, uh, by defeating their temptations and defeating them in our lives, we grow in holiness of life. And also, Father Clarence, you know, I hope all priests like you, uh, you know, because remember, Christ wasn't is an exorcist, and part of his identity was uh, is an, as an is also part of his identity is as an exorcist. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, not only he was was he healing, but also exercising. And I think it's really a work of mercy, even more than healing it, because you you you're freeing some from a really something that is really actively attacking. And therefore, as priests, all priests should be exorcists precisely because when we become shepherds, our identity becomes one with Christ. And since it is essential, uh, part and parcel of that identity is he's an exorcist, and we too should also be exorcists. Wow. So Father yeah. Clarence, you, should, you should also <laughs> be an exorcist. Now, now, now I have... I have more things on my plate now. For the Joseph, usually we, we end with a prayer. We'd like to invite you maybe to all of, for all of those who are listening here this morning, uh, you would say a prayer for us uh, to conclude uh, this, this conversation, this very interesting conversation uh, and ask the Lord to protect us, especially this time we are in a time of pandemic. We're in a lockdown yeah. here in Malaysia uh, to ask the Lord to protect us and to keep us uh, safe from the evil one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask you in a very special way to come now and send thy most Holy Spirit upon us, each and every one of us and our listeners and our families. May the Holy Spirit come upon us. May the blood of Jesus cover us that all evil spirits that desire to in any way harass us or tempt us may be driven far away. Grant us, dear Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, all the graces we need that we may truly be courageous in this battle for souls that we may truly choose thee and really choose thee with our whole heart our whole mind and our whole being dear father we ask you also what whatever graces we need especially during these moments of protection liberation from evil spirits and for healing especially healing of all our spiritual sicknesses for all diseases physical diseases and sicknesses emotional relational psychological maladies we ask dear father send thy most holy spirit upon us to heal us and we ask thee in a very special way to send thy most powerful angels especially saint michael to all of us who are in this program and all our families to continually protect us and guide us through his inspirations that we may truly each day grow more and more in holiness of life and truly stamp and step on the head of the devil whenever his head appears trying to harass us or to tempt us Dear Mama Mary, we ask also for your intercession that all that we have heard and all that we have discussed, you may truly put into our hearts and allow us to be inspired by them so that we may be able to live out a life that is more and more pleasing to the Son, Jesus Christ. All of this, Father, all of these graces, we ask especially the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God continually bless you, protect you, liberate you, and heal you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Amen. So there you go. We've come to the end of the show for uh, Catholics at Home podcast this beautiful Saturday. It has been a very eye-opening topic. Uh, we want to thank Father Joseph for spending his time with us, uh, for sharing so much of his experience and teaching us as well. And for Father Clarence, you know, to actually keep us on our path and making sure we don't stray away with all the questions as well. Thank you so much for that. We have more topics all lined up for you in future editions of Catholics at Home. Don't forget you can continue to watch this on Facebook or on YouTube. It's always going to be there. So till we see you next week, same time, same place on a Saturday morning. You have a great weekend. Stay safe and stay at home. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.